0: Hey, he does live. Hey, he lives. Hold on. I don't think you got it yet. Hey, he lives today. Amen. Hey. We serve a, res- a resurrected Savior, one that is not dead in the grave. Hey, He is alive today, wow. warning for you and us yeah. to call on to Him for our every need, for our every help, for our every trial. Hey, He lives this morning. Amen. Hey, as you turn in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 1, I, I do want to take just a moment here, and I, I do thank my pastor for giving me the opportunity to preach, wow. uh, and uh, you know, I, I take I don't take it lightly. I, don't, I take it very reverently, standing behind His platform, but standing behind God's pulpit here, and you know, it's... Yeah, I love our pastor. Amen. What a great man of God he is. Amen. What a great example he sets for us, for our families to model. As he follows God, we can look at him and follow him and God hand in hand. You know, and I, I, I count him as not only my pastor, but a, ve- a very, very dear friend. And many of you do, and some of you even call him family, amen. We all call him family through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're all a family of God. Amen. If you're saved this morning, that is, and I do thank him for that, and I... the opportunity to preach is is a very humbling experience, amen? It's, uh, you know, you get up here and you stand before a lot of people that are hurting, that are going through trials, that are just facing life. I mean, let's be honest, life is full of trouble and full of trials ever since we were born. And, you know, and I don't know what each one of you are going through. I don't know. (laughs) I, I I can't begin to explain what each problem that each one of us have, but... I do know that we serve a resurrected Savior, one who lives this morning. Amen? And there's something that we can hold on to there. Haggai chapter 1 here. And the Lord began to do a work in my heart on this message particularly several weeks ago. Prior to a preacher even messaged me asking if I could preach or fill in uh, for him being gone. But uh, as most of you know, I take my lunch breaks and I usually read a little bit. And I, I read... The very first chapter, Haggai. It's only 15 verses long. It's a short read. Actually, the whole book itself is a short read. It's only two chapters long, and you could you could breeze right through it with no problem. But I didn't make it far within Haggai chapter one without hitting something that just stuck out to me. And I, and the first day I read it is several weeks ago, and I just kind of pulled out my pen, and underlined. It. I said, "Man, I said there's something there. There's got to be something more to that." It's like the Lord just says, "Hold on, right there. I want you to underline that for a moment." I, you know, I kept on going about my day, and the next day I would get there, and I'd read again. I said, i got to go back to Haggai, and i got to read just a moment. I, I just got to read back over what I, the Lord had me underlined. And, and as I went back and done that again and again and again, the Lord began to develop a message in my heart. And then about the same time, uh, the next day, preacher calls me or texts me. and says, hey, would you, be, would you be willing to preach? I'm like, Yes. Anytime I get the chance to preach, I want to take that opportunity to preach. And uh, as I preach this morning at the rest home, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, there in Romans uh, chapter one, he says, "I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation." And I, I got the opportunity to just even preach this morning at the rest home. But let's stand together here and let's read Haggai chapter one. We won't read all fifteen verses this morning, although we will make our way through them throughout the course of the message here. But uh, let's read verses one through seven together, and you follow along with me if you will. And if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to look on with somebody else if you can. That is a very vital key part here as we, as we open up the word of God here and allow it to speak unto us. And Haggai chapter one and verse number one, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, uh, the son of Shelatel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say... The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, uh, saying, It is time for ye, for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And if you're wondering, that was the, the underlining words that the Lord laid on my heart, those three words. Consider your ways. Verse number six: ye have sown much. And bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them in a bag with holes. Verse number seven again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And Lord willing, I want to bring this message this morning. Consider your ways your ways. That's what the Lord laid upon my heart uh, many weeks ago, and, uh, and he's been doing a work in my heart since then and revealing some things unto me, and, and I know if it helps me, maybe it'll help you today, maybe it'll help you uh, today to kind of uh, just grab a hold of this thing of, of life and how precious our lives are here, and we don't have long what we have, but we ought to be uh, very obedient to the Lord while we have it, amen, and as the, as Haggai points out here in two verses, in verse number five and verse number seven, consider your. Ways. That's what we're going to preach on this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit, to stand in this purse, to in, in this church, Lord, to stand before your people here today. Lord, I, I pray God that you would help, Lord, the message that you laid upon my heart. Lord, I, have, I pray that you'd help me deliver it as you delivered it unto me, Lord, just the other week. And I pray God that you would help me, uh, Lord, just say only what you want said. Lord, help me guide my words and my thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would have freedom and liberty to move in the service today. Lord, I pray that nothing would hinder you from working. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service and over your people. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just take me and use me today. Lord, I pray that you would help to get your message across unto your people. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As I began to study and look at Haggai, the prophet here is considered one of the minor prophets and literally, like I said earlier, it only has two chapters. Haggai only has two chapters uh, here within the word of God, but uh, the the, 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 the two chapters that are here, there's so much in it. I mean, it is power packed with 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 truth and with doctrine and with instruction and with correction. And it and if we could really just pause for a moment this morning and really dive into this word, I believe that we can pull something out that will help each one of us, no matter what life circumstance you're in, whether you got a job or you don't have a job, you're you're looking for employment, maybe you're just in school, whatever it is. And I believe that we can take something from right here this morning and we can apply it unto our lives. and And before I, before I even get into the message, I want to read you a quick quote here that I found and and it really kind of helps put things in perspective per se. Let's, I'm going to read this right here. It's, It's every day you exchange a day of your life for something. Now think about it. Every day you exchange a day of your life for something. It's as if, it's as if at the start of life, each one of us were issued a certain number of coins, and these coins are hidden within a large machine, so we don't know how many we were issued or how many we have left. But each day, this machine issues a new coin. It may be the last coin we ever get, or it may be many more left. All we know is that the average person in America lives between the ages, as upwards now of 70 and 80, 80 years' worth, but some get far less, and few get many more. You take each day's coin and exchange it for something, a day at work, a day at school, a day at shopping, a day at church, a day of leisure, of doing whatever that you wanted to do that day. But once spent, you can never get the coins back to spend them any differently. The art of living wisely, I want you to pay attention to this last part right here, and it really spoke to me. The art of living wisely Is largely a matter of spending your coins on the things that really matter in the light of eternity and not wasting them frivolously. Living wisely is difficult because often the choice is not between the bad and the good, but between the good and the best. I want you to get that last part again. Living wisely is difficult because often the choice is not between the bad and the good, but between the good and the best. And that's what we're going to cover here is Haggai here. The prophet comes and Haggai is considered one of the minor prophets, like I said, only having two chapters and is the second smallest book in the Bible. But the message that is recorded in Haggai is one of the of most, utmost importance. And this morning, I want you to look at the first chapter of this book here as we kind of go through here. And the key phrase that we've already pointed out is the words that he says here of consider your You know, life is precious. And I I, I talked to our rest home folk this morning. I said, one of the most precious things that that we have in our possession today is not the houses that we have. It's not the cars. It's not maybe even family heirlooms that's been passed down from generation. You know, really, it's not even your name. The most precious thing that you ever have right now is your life. And that life is the only life that you can give. It's the only one that is you, amen? It is you. It is yours. And, and you can do with that life what you will. And like I said, like this quote here says that I read, it's not oftentimes living, living our life is not the choice between bad and good. It's between good and great. It's what more could we be doing, each one of us. And that's what we're going to cover here. And as we look at this first chapter, as we see within two times in verse number five and then verse number seven again, Haggai says this, consider your ways. And this phrase was so important that Haggai said it twice, just within these first three verses here of Haggai chapter one. And having this phrase there once would have been enough to capture our attention, but twice means we should really pause and really capture what is being said in between those and thereafter. It's very important here, and I want you to notice, first of all, I want you to notice, first of all, here within Haggai chapter 1, that these people here that Haggai was speaking to, they were a committed people. They were a committed people. And in Ezra chapter number 5 is kind of where you start off, really, uh, within the the remnant coming back from Babylon here. Uh, But in Ezra chapter number 5, we read about the beginning of these Jews, and they returned from Babylon from from their captivity to Judah under the the decree of Sirius, uh, Cyrus the king of Persia. Once back, they quickly began to rebuild the altar, and they began to offer sacrifices. And after about two years after returning, they had laid the foundation to rebuild the temple. Understand, this was the remnant that was that was captured away in Babylon, and now they're returning back. And they began to rebuild the temple. They began to rebuild the temple there, and the altars, and began to do burnt offerings. And they were doing great. I mean, they, they were committed people. Understand? They were in captivity for seventy years. Seventy years away from their home. Seventy years away from the life that they once knew, and they were brought away into Babylon there, and they were had to live there. And now they have the opportunity to go back to rebuild the house, to go back rebuild the altars, to go back and rebuild the temple of God. They go back and start doing just that. We read about that in Ezra, and they began this great work. But after two years, and they already began to rebuild the foundation of the temple. And, and you say, well, how were these people committed? They, were, they were, had just been in captivity for 70 years. Think about it. 70 years they had just been in captivity. These people were committed because they had been taken away to Babylon against their will, yet they still longed to serve God, and yet they still wanted to go and rebuild the temple. As soon as the opportunity was available, they left, and they went to go rebuild. Letter two here, uh, number two here. Some of the Jews were no doubt even born there, born while they were in captivity. We, we couldn't help but think, I mean, 70 years in captivity, I mean, life is still going to go on even in Babylon and they're still going to have families and they're still going to grow and they're still going to be living there and earning wages in Babylon even though they're in captivity, but still there while they were there. Maybe, no doubt, they had children and these children now are somewhat up in age and they too have that same desire, although not even seeing the, the, not even seeing the land that they were once in, not even seeing Judah before, but they still had the same desire to go and rebuild this. And as the opportunity came, many, many, many thousands of these people left the captivity, went to go rebuild and began that great work. They were doing exactly what God would want them to do. As soon as they're out of captivity, they began to rebuild the altar. They start offering sacrifices to God. And now we see they began to lay the foundation to rebuild the temple. I mean, this is an awesome work that they're doing and they're doing it great. They started out great. However, something happened. Their Samaritan neighbors, they're offered to join in with the work, but the Jews refused their offer here. And the Samaritans then in turn threatened the workers and sent men to Persia to lobby against them and beginning bringing the work now to a halt. And you can read that in Ezra chapter number five, but we don't take the time this morning. But you can see all that as, as the Jews, they began the great work and now all of a sudden something came up and it began to hinder the process. People began to hinder the process and all of a sudden it brought the whole work of the Lord to the stop. They stopped rebuilding. They stopped offering sacrifices. They stopped everything that they were once doing that was good. They began to stop. And now Haggai comes on the scene here in the second year of Darius the king, and he begins to proclaim all these things. And look down with me, if you will, at uh, verse number 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. They almost got discouraged, if you would. They got pulled back away from the work and everything was going great and all of a sudden some speed bumps come in the road. And can I pause right here and just say this, anytime that you do any work for God, anytime that you're doing anything great for God, speed bumps will come and people will come in your life and begin to hinder that great work. Because understand this, that we are not the only ones that are on this earth. There is a power that is out here, a power of darkness. And we wrestle against that spiritually on a daily basis. And that spiritual warfare rages all around us. And anytime that you and I commit ourselves to do something great for God we do I mean you say something great I'm I'm talking about even just coming to church I'm talking about even running a bus route I'm talking about even just working in the nurse home I'm talking about just even teaching a Sunday school maybe even assisting in a Sunday school class I'm talking about something great because little is great when God is in it and little is great when you give your life unto God and allow him to use you but anytime you start any work for God opposition will come just as it came right here, opposition came, and they began to rally against them. It's like, well, who do they think they are? Well, who called them to do this? And Why can't we help? And, and, but regardless of the whole situation, the work stopped just because of the complaining and the murmuring and all this that went on. And I'm here to tell you today that anytime you do anything for God, you're going to have naysayers. You're going to have people that say you're going to fail. You're going to have people that come up against you. You're going to have issues that's going to arise, but can I tell you this? Hold fast. Hold fast into what God's allowed you to start, and he will keep you and allow you to finish that work. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Put blinders on. Ignore all these situations that are going on around you. Ignore all the people that say you can't do it. Use that as a driving force to do more for God and say, listen, not only will I do what I'm doing now, but I'm going to step up my game. I'm going to show you how big God, my God really is, and I'm going to show you how he can use me in a great way. You say, well, how's that? Because you just give him everything that you got. You give everything unto the work. You give everything unto the work. This is what the Jews were doing initially. They were giving everything they had. They just moved from captivity back to Judah, and now they began to rebuild the altar. Two years later, they're laying the foundation, and then they got sidetracked. They got knocked off course, if you would. Anytime we do anything for God, the opposition will come. But first of all, I want you to notice here that these people were committed people. I mean, coming from captivity 70 years, now all of a sudden, let's jump right back into God's work. Didn't miss a beat, began to rebuild the altar, started sacrificing unto God, and then laid the foundation to start that temple. Number two, I want you to see this. They were a content people. And this is my main point right here. I got, I got three points. The, the third point just a very quick one, but this is the main one right here. The people became content. They became content. We'll see that here. Look again at verse number two. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say, this people say, the ones that went back from captivity, the ones that went back and rebuilt the altar, this people say, the ones that laid the foundation after two years of being there, this people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. At least 14 years have passed now since, since they left Babylon here and they, and they came to rebuild the temple. Two years into the work, they stopped. All work stopped. to come to a halt. And now we see that they have grown content with not finishing the work that they had started. The people got called up in the routine of life, farming living their lives, building their own houses, raising their own families and that sort of thing, and they got used to life without the temple. Even the leaders, Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest had gotten used to things the way they were. When the work stopped, when the work began creeping to a halt, everybody became content. They noticed the work was probably slowing down, but nobody stepped up and said, hey guys, what are we doing? We got to keep going forward. Yes, the opposition's there. Yes, we're having yes, we're having struggles. Yes, we're having issues, but we need to keep going forward. Look at the bigger prize. We're building an altar. We're building the temple unto God. These are great things that we're doing, and we need to continue on with that, but no, they got sidetracked, and slowly and slowly the work began to a creeping halt, and then they stopped all together and now we see here they came became content with what they had they became content with the life and this is a very dangerous thing to be content in any situation in any aspect of life I'm not even I mean you can you can definitely apply this to our spiritual lives with God and our walk with God and our work service for God but any aspect of life this thing of contentment will get you in so much trouble and it will cause so many problems even in your own life and it's a dangerous thing to be content but I believe this morning as we face this all across in churches all across the world today this thing of being content. This thing of being content. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about being content with what's going on now. We don't need to do more. Hey, look around. We're doing good. Three quarters of the church is full this morning, Brother Brandon. Hey, we're doing good. No, let us not get content with that. Oh, my friends, we need to keep going forward beyond that. We need to be encouraged more. But you know, I, I, I thought about this. It wasn't a lack of the building materials that stopped the work of the temple. They had the building materials. They were there. They were working. They had progress. The Bible doesn't say, well, they ran out of materials, and that's why they stopped. No, opposition came, troubles came, and then they stopped. It wasn't a lack of the people that stopped the work. Many thousands of Jews came from that remnant that came back to rebuild this temple, to rebuild the altar. Many were there to help rebuild, and they started off great, but then they got sidetracked. It wasn't a lack of faith, I believe, in God, because they still believed in God, no doubt. It wasn't a lack of faith, but I believe it was this thing of being... Content with what happened. Almost to the point where they did say, verse number two, it's not time to build. Maybe it's just not time to build. Maybe, maybe God's trying to tell us something to stop building his temple. When do you think God would ever tell his people to stop building churches and stop preaching the gospel and stop going out soul with it? There is never going to come a time when God's going to say, Listen, guys, <laughs> all right, you guys have done a good job. You got a good building here. You don't need it. You see that construction you guys started up there? You laid the foundation. You guys are doing great. Nah, let's put that work to the halt. Let's stop. God will never say that. It's not their faith. It's, it's this thing of being content. And the Jews stopped their work for a little while, and then they got their focus on everything else that was going on in their lives, living their lives, raising their families, and building their own houses, as you can go back and see there in verse number 2. Uh, this, you go, uh, verse number 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Oh, it is time for you, all oh, that you dwell in your sealed houses. While this house lie waste. Oh, you guys think it's all right for you guys to live in your sealed houses, and you guys are doing great, and you guys are being profitable, and and yes, you're living your life, and yes, you're doing doing good things. Understand that. You're doing good, but you can do greater things by continuing that build, continuing that work, continuing to finish and rebuilding that temple there. The Jews stopped for a little while, and then they got their focus off the work. And we should never be satisfied or content with only doing half or part of the work that God has called for each one of us to do today. We should give all we have to God's work. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. Understand this, that you and I are called to do a great work. Each one of us as individuals are called to do a great work for God. You say, well, I can't speak that well. It doesn't matter. Hey, there's lots of us in here that can't speak that well and God once you give your life unto him, he will use you in a way that you could have never imagined. You look at all the prophets and all the Old Testament stories, all the New Testament stories and time and time again, God will take that which is little and make it great. God will take that which will confound the world and use that to upset the world even that much more because he will take them and exalt them above any other people. You say, well, I'm not the greatest speaker. That's fine. God can still use you. Understand this, but whatever it is, whatever the work is that God has called each one of you to do here today, God's given you talents that you can use. God's given you the ability to maybe speak to people, to to maybe win souls for Christ. Maybe you have that word that just uh, consume people and just captivate them. Maybe you have the ability to drive a bus route. Maybe you have the ability to play any of these instruments that we have up here. Maybe some that are not. Maybe you have that ability and God's calling you to join in with the orchestra. It doesn't matter. Do you have a voice this morning? Can you say amen this morning? Amen. amen. Hey, God has called each one of us to do something great but what we have to do is yield to our own temptations, yield to our own, own lustful things out here in the world that draw us away from God and say, God, my life is yours. Understand this, the most precious thing that you have is your life, and if you give it to God now, he will use you in a way that you could have never imagined, Amen. but you first must be willing to let him use you. And don't let nothing stop you. Opposition's gonna come. That's what happened here. They were doing something great. They're rebuilding the temple and the altar, and they're doing great. The opposition came. Things came in their life, and they got sidetracked. They lost their focus. And it's very easy for you and I. Yeah, it was easy for them in their day and age. (laughs) Hey, with all the technology that we have now, TV, Internet, cell phones, we got computers everywhere, amen? Hey, we got Bluetooth devices, we don't even need wires anymore. But all these things that can consume us if we're not careful, it will take our focus. God's telling us to go here, and all of a sudden we get sidetracked and go over here, and all of a sudden the work begins to stop. It doesn't stop all the Hey, it doesn't stop quick. It's not a quick process, it's a slow process. You know, it's, it's just something that we, we're going straight, somebody might say something, well, Okay. And then something, something else happens, something else happens, something else happens. Something, and if we're not careful, we'll end up way off in left field somewhere. And God said, what are you doing? I called you to do this great work over here. I called you guys to go soul I called Calvary Baptist Church to build in this community a great church up here. Not for not for the people, no, but for my glory and my honor. Hey, there's empty chairs in here today. Why? Because you and I have lost the focus that God has committed unto us to go and preach the gospel, to go invite people to come to church, to show them the love of Christ. That's why there's empty chairs in here today. Hey, we're all guilty, me just as myself. We don't witness enough. We don't talk to people enough. We don't invite them to church enough. Why? As, uh, as I preached this morning. The apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why are we such, uh, why are we, why do we get so scared and so timid? This is the thing that changed our lives. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed our lives and passed us from death unto life. And yet we don't go and share it with everyone. What is wrong with us? We've gotten our focus off track. Our focus was on him when we got saved. Our focus was all on God. All on him. Thank you for saving my soul. I'm not going to spend eternity in hell. I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. And maybe we did great for a year. Maybe we did great for two years. And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, life comes into play. Eight and a half years ago, almost nine years ago, I didn't have any kids. Amen? Now we got plenty. If anybody wants one, let me know. We can borrow. Uh, We can loan out good help. Amen? Uh, But no, seriously, you think about it. When me and my wife got married, it was just me and her. When we got saved in this church, sitting about halfway back right over here, Brother Ronald Looney let us, in, us into the preacher's office, showed us our sins, showed us how we can be saved, showed us a loving Savior that died on the cross for us, showed us these things, opened up God's word, and God revealed unto us these things that he could do with our lives if we allow him to use us. Not only do we gain an eternity in heaven, not only do we gain a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, not only do we gain all these assets, but we gain something right now that, we, that he wants to use in us and that he wants to use our lives if we're willing to give it to him. Almost nine years ago, I sat back there lost and undone in my sins, on my way to hell. Preacher preached a message on the rapture of the church, the church getting called away. Those unsaved will stay right here and face everything else in Revelation that you don't want to face. But God done a work in my life. And every day, I try to thank him for that. Every day, God, thank you for saving my soul because that's my first love. Amen. That's our first love. The one who laid down his life for you and I. And if we'll remember that, if we'll hold fast to that, right now in your mind, if you think back to the day when you got saved, the moment, the place, the day, the whatever it is, wherever your situation was, wherever it was that you got saved, and you think back to that day and the weight that got lifted off your shoulders, knowing that you're knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're gonna spend an eternity in heaven with him and that joy that filled you up and then that power that God's given you and that excitement to go tell everybody. That was the excitement. That was, that was the not being ashamed. as as Paul put it there in Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You went and told everybody. Why? Because it was a life-changing event that just took place in your life and you wanted everybody to know about it. Now if you get a new cell phone, everybody on Facebook knows, but do they know that you're a Christian? Amen. You get a new car, that's great that you post and that's great that you'll drive around and show it to your friends, but do they know that you're a Christian? Do they know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do they know Jesus as your Savior? What happened is you and I have lost track of our first love and we lost track of God. We lost track of that commandment that he has given to each one of us. You say, well, Brother Brennan, I thought only preachers were supposed to tell people the gospel. No, my friends, that commandment was to each one of us to go and tell everyone that we run into, anyone that we see, invite them to know Jesus Christ, the one that changed your life. Why wouldn't you not share that great news with them? We'll share the great news of a new baby. We'll share the great news of a new house. We'll share the great news of a house. But how many times do we neglect to share the great news and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and continue on in the work that he has called for us? That's That's what we're talking about here. That's what happened. They lost their focus. And then Haggai comes on the scene. Look at verse number five. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. You know what he's saying? Hey, guys, God's told me to come here and tell you to wake up. (laughs) Take a step back. Look at your past year in your life. Look at the past two years in your life and consider your ways. Because you can't go back and change what you've done. You can't. Once you spent that coin, like we talked about earlier, once you spent that coin of life and when you spent that one day worth of life that God has given you, we don't know if we have another one, but all we do know is we have life right now. We have breath in us and let us continue to do the work that God has called each one of us to do and not get sidetracked with every little thing that comes in our life, whether it be through technology, whether it be through friends, whether it be through hindrances, whatever it is, don't get sidetracked and don't let those things begin to consume you. And you could, you give your all over here, but you don't give God barely anything. Let us not lose focus of what God's called each one of us to do. Consider your ways. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that your Lord shall receive the reward in heaven, a reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. We at Calvary Baptist Church should never be a content people. We should never get content. The moment we get content, we should hit this altar and ask God to burden our hearts again. Burden our hearts for our Sunday school classes. Burden our hearts for our bus routes. Burden our hearts for the rest home. It should burden our hearts. You should ask God to burden your heart again because something happened and you lost your focus. You lost your drive. You lost that ability to go forward no matter what. And when we lose that, it's very easy for us to get complacent. Well, we're doing good. We got everything going all right. We got a decently full house today. The bus routes were all right today. No, we should always be striving to do more. If we had 15 at the rest on this morning, Brother David, me and you, we should want more next week. Hey, if you had 20 on your bus routes this morning, you should want more next week. If we had 13 in your Sunday school class this morning, you should want more next week. If we have 100 people sitting in here right now, we should want more tonight. More tonight. Consider your ways. That's what Haggai says. Don't get complacent. Don't get content with the what you have. Don't get content with just a Sunday morning. I got Jesus in my heart. We're good. I got went to church on Sunday. No, my friends, we should be striving every day to have a closer walk with him, to have a daily commune with him, and we should continue to strive in the work that he has set for each one of us to do. We should always be in the house of the Lord Anytime the doors are open. I understand. I understand sometimes work calls you away, but at the same time, if you have the ability to change that, let's change it. Because this is a much greater thing. What's going on in here, what takes place in here, you know, eternities can be changed and lives can be changed and families can be mended and marriages can be brought back together through the power of Jesus Christ, through God's Word. And the world cannot offer you anything out there that will satisfy you. You will continue to hunger and continue to strive for more. And look back at verse number six. Let's we'll start off in verse number five. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much. And brought in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but you are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put them in the hole, in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's what happened here. The people got content. But they were working harder than they ever worked before to get nowhere. Because God's blessing was not there. You say, well, I don't understand. They, they did a great work to start off with. Yes, they were. They were doing great. They built the temple, sacrificing to God, began to start on the, on the construction of the temple, laid the foundation, but then the work stopped. Then they began to live their lives like you and I would right now. We got saved. We're doing great. Family's doing great. And then all of a sudden, we slowly get our eyes on everything else. And we begin to work harder work more hours, and come home with less money. Amen? God's done a work in my heart on this personally. We'll put all of our attention on something else that we think, yes, this can get me out of debt. Yes, this can help me here. Yes, this can work out here. Yes, this can help me out here. Oh, I'll be doing great if I can just get to this point. Oh, I'll be doing great if I get to this. All those are, are your own thoughts. All those are is your own thoughts and your own dreams and your own ambitions. And you begin to pour out everything you have and you give everything you got. You give every, all of your attention, all of your focus onto that. And then you begin to pull your attention away off other things because we all know nobody in here can multitask. Amen. Uh, but we begin to pull all of our attention off of everything else and focus it all on this one thing. The one thing that is drawing us farther away from God. Making us work twice as hard. Put, earning more wages but putting them in a bag with holes. Look at all this money I'm making. Where's it going? God's not going to bless that. But God will bless you if you stay in the path that he's called you to go, in the work that he's called you to go in, in the work that he has called you to start maybe. That's what God blesses. Like I said, it's not a decision between the good and the bad. It's a decision between the good and the great. Look at this right here. The Jews during this time have taken their focus off of God of rebuilding the temple and having turned, over, turned them over to other things, therefore casting, causing them to struggle in their every day-to-day lives. Look back at verse number nine now. You look for much, and lo, it came little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run, every man, into his own house, therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth stayed from her fruit. The crops weren't doing that well either. They were struggling. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountain, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon the men, and upon the cattle, and upon the labor of the hands. See, I want you to notice something. First, they were a committed people. They were doing great. They were doing God's work. But then they got content. And with contentment set in, the work of the Lord kind of went to, as a side note, put it on the back burner. I want to focus on these other things right now. We'll pick back up that work. They knew the work was there. No doubt they're mine. They probably said, what well, we do all the time. Well, I'll get back into it eventually. I'll go back to, that. I'll go back to that, that work eventually. I'll get started back on that bus route. Or I'll get started back on this Sunday school. I'll get back in there eventually. I, I, I got sidetracked for a little bit, but I'll get back in there knowing the whole time we're never going to make it back unless we stop. Like Haggai said, and consider your ways. Look how hard you're working now than where you were working when I was blessing you because you were doing my work. See, God's going to provide for us all the way. Understand this. If you're doing God's will, he'll ne- he will always provide for you. He will always provide for you. When you're in need, he will be there Oh, it may not be in your timing, it'll be in his, but he will be there and he'll show up in a great way, in a way that you can only be explained, but thank you God for helping me. But he's only going to bless that if we continue in his way, because when we start doing our own way, that's not his will, that's our will, and our will gets us into trouble. Man's will gets us into trouble all the way from the beginning in Adam and Eve in the garden. It was their will, they made that choice, they wanted to make that choice, they did. Our will gets us in trouble, but God's will is a will that he will bless. Hey. And each one of us, God's commanded us to do something. God's worked in your heart. Maybe told you you need to do this. Maybe told you to get involved in this. God's done a work already, no doubt. But it's up to us to continue that work, to move forward in that work. And don't let nothing hinder that work. Just keep on driving forward. God is trying to get their attention by causing these things in their lives. Does any of this sound familiar to you in your life? Maybe. Maybe today. Maybe this past week, maybe this past month, something's happened to kind of put you in a setback to make you stop and go, wow, what am I doing? That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me right here when I read this. For two weeks ago, God told me to stop. Take a look at your life. Are you being a good example of these teenagers? Are you really focusing on the work of, of my work, the work that I've called you to do, the work that I put you in? Are you really focusing all your attention... Everything you got into that, or are you still over here trying to start your own little side business to get out of debt? When God says, I got you right here, I'm taking care of you. You're the only one working in a household full of six. God's been providing. I've been providing for you. What are you doing over here? Why are you taking on more for yourself when I've already been providing? Why are you taking on more struggle and more pain for yourself? Why are you putting more on your shoulders than you can bear? Because I've been bearing it all the time over here. I've been providing for your family. When you serve me, I will continue to provide. If you continue to serve me, do the will that I've sent you and do the work that I have called you to do, and I will be there. That's what he's telling the people here. Man, you guys are working way harder than you ever should. Your crops aren't bringing in yield. Next year is going to be even harder because your harvest is not going to be good. Your seeds aren't going to be plentiful. He says, stop, take a moment, consider your ways. Let's get focused again. Let's get back on track again. What is it today that you're putting all your focus, your attention on? Could it be your career, your hobbies, maybe even your own business? Could it be making more money? Are all those your ambitions? More than likely, that was mine. It was mine when God told me, stop, stop. Stop. What is it today that you have all your focus and your attention on? All these things are not bad things. Having a career is not bad. Having a hobby is not bad. Owning your own business is not bad. Making more money is not bad. But remember the quote that we just said in the very beginning, living wisely is is difficult because the often the choice is not between the bad and the good, but between the good and the best. The Bible does tell us in Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So it's a good thing that we have jobs. It's a good thing that we have uh, income. It's a good thing that we provide for our family. But don't overdo it on your own. Don't, don't, don't try to strive to make more money on your own. Let God handle that. He will. He owns everything anyway. He owns, he owns the job that you have. I mean, hey, he owns everything. Look around you. He has it all. And he can provide for you when you need it. Don't think you need something. Allow him to, allow him to bring that into your life. Don't strive and work 10 times harder than you should to get the thing that God's already going to give you in the long run if you allow him to do it. If you and I would, just like this prophet said, consider your ways and put things back in the the order and the way that God wants them to be, our lives would be much easier. Matthew 6, 633, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. All I'm here to tell you today is the same thing that Haggai told uh, these, these Jews many years ago, this remnant that came from Babylon. Hey, you guys started out great hey, you guys were doing awesome. I mean, you started the work of the God, of, of, of the temple and you, and you got that going. You started the foundation. You, you build altars and you're sacrificing. You're doing great. But then you got complacent, guys. You got content with what you have. You're not striving to build anymore. You're not striving to look to bring anything else in. And that's where we are today. If we're not careful, we'll, get, we'll be content. And we never need to get contentment in our hearts within the work of God, where the work of God should always be striving. Our first and first foremost pro, uh, point, we should always be looking forward to that. Every moment that we breathe, what more can I do? What more can I do? How can I change this ministry? How can I get involved in this ministry? How can I do this and how can I do that? That's what our main focus is, the house of God, because these things that you and I are involved in right now will change eternities. My job, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, is not going to change nothing. If I die today, guess what? They're going to replace me. If I die today, they're just going to find somebody else, Bring them in, train them up, and they'll be doing my job next week. But the work that God has called for me and you to do, that's an individual work that maybe only you can do. And he's called you to do that work. We may have gotten sidetracked. We may have got our focus off of him. But it's time to stop and consider our ways. And we're almost done here. Now we see number three. They were a compliant people. Look Look at verse number 12, 12 through 15. Haggai 1, verse number 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel uh, uh, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, with all the remnant, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and, their, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you Sayeth the Lord, let me stay, stop and say right there. Hey, before when they were doing their own work, He wasn't there. He blew on everything that they brought home, He destroyed it all, he, he made it go to waste. But now they obeyed the word of the Lord, and now God says, I am with you. Verse number 14 And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel the son of Shittel, the governor, and Judah, and the spirit of Joshua the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant. And the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord, their host, and their God. And in the fourth, in the four and twentieth day, in the sixth month, the, in the second year of Darius the king, they began to do the work that they had started many years ago. But it took a prophet by the name of Haggai stepping on the scene and telling the people, consider your ways. Look what you're doing. Examine your own lives and consider your ways Once the Jews were committed to the work, then they became complacent, but now they are compliant. Now they obey the command of the Lord to consider your ways. They stepped back and looked at their own lives and all the hard work that had gotten them nowhere. If anything, it got them farther behind each day. They pursued down their own paths. And after this self-evaluation, they realized what they needed to do to put God first, and everything else will come into play after that. And just like these Jews that we just read about here, I I want you to consider your ways today. I don't know your individual life. I don't know the struggles that you're going through. I know we all go through struggles. We're human beings, and as long as we have breath, we will have issues. But I want you to, I'm just coming to tell you what message God laid upon my heart and how he worked in me. Consider your ways. What is it that you were once involved in, maybe here at Calvary Baptist Church, that you're no longer involved in? What is it that God has called you to do? Maybe a ministry to get involved in, maybe to start your own bus route, maybe to go to the prison, go to the prison with Justin and these other guys, maybe come to the rest home. What is it that God has already done a work in your heart? He's already planted that little seed. Hey, what is it today that God has already planted there and began to water, but then you got sidetracked and you left that still sitting there as a little seed and you never let it grow? What is it that you got your attention on? What is it that you got your focus on today? What is it that's drawing you away from the plan and the will that God has for each one of you here today? Now, I know this message was more or less for saved people, but also I want to say this. These words here can ring out to those of us that are not saved. If there's anyone here that is lost and undone without Jesus Christ, you've never experienced that life-changing gospel that I spoke about earlier. You've never experienced the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, that death, burial, and resurrection. Understand, he died on the cross specifically for you. He died on the cross that whosoever would call upon him shall be saved. And if you're not saved today, hey, I want you to take, your, take, step, take a step back. Take a step back in your own life and look and consider your ways and where your life is going to end up, and how your life is going to end up in eternity. Hey, let's stop and consider those as well. But Christians, it's not time for us to get complacent. Not time for us to get content. When I drove down here today, and I seen those four corner posts already standing up on that that concrete slab out there, I thought, yes. Yes, Lord, we're moving forward. Never get complacent. Never be content. Never be content with... The way that everything is going, let's always strive to do more. Strive to give God more. Strive to work more for God. Why? You say, "Well, brother Brandon, I, I, how am I going to be able to make my life? how am I going to be able to make my house payment?" God's going to provide. Don't worry about that. I'm saying, don't put more on yourself for no reason. Don't work twice as hard just to lose you all your money anyway. Stay on the course that God has put you on. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. I do thank you, Lord, for the message that you laid upon my heart. Lord, this message that, that you've done at work in my life of considering our ways. Lord, and I pray that today will be the day, Lord, that we would all, that each one of us as an individual would take a step back and examine our own lives. God, I pray that today, we, each one of us in here today would take a step back and consider our own ways and see what we're doing and see how we're impacting a world for, for you, Lord. Are we, are we making a difference? God, what are we doing with our lives? Each day that we spend, we can't ever get back. God, help us to be aware. As James tells us here, our life is but a vapor. It appears for a little while and vanishes away. Let us take advantage of the time that we have to do things that matter in an eternity. Let each one of us today consider our ways. As the pianist begins to play here, let's all stand to our feet, head bowed and eyes closed. What is it today? What is it today that's got your focus off? What is it today that's got you off track what is it today that maybe has drawled you away from from god or away from serving him away from a ministry what is it today you do business with god as he's laid upon your heart Gospel of christ for it is the power unto salvation let us go forth and tell everyone that's the great commandment to go into hell let us not be weary in well doing each one of us god's called each one of you in here today to do something what's hindering that today give it to god and let him take control of your life sir Great song choice, Miss Gay. I surrender all. Let us all do that today. Just go back to God, refocus our lives, stop and consider our ways. On the way home, if you haven't done business, do business with God. Just talk to him. That's the great thing about him. You can go to him any that you need to, Amen. any place, anywhere, and he'll bend an ear down and he'll hear your cry. Let's get our priorities back straight. Let's put God first and allow him to use us in a great way. I surrender I'll Give them your life. If you're not saved today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as a personal savior, you find one of us before you walk out of this building. And let today be the day of salvation. Today you can begin to live. Amen? Today life can begin for you. I'll tell you what, let's pray, and then we'll go back to the back. We'll shake a few hands on the way out. We thank you so much for being here. I do make plans to come back tonight. Amen. I'd love to see more people in here tonight. Invite somebody. Amen. Brother Ronald Luna will be preaching for us tonight, bringing the message. So You you pray for him uh, this afternoon, uh, that God would anoint him and give him the words to say. Uh, let's pray and be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for another beautiful day. God, we thank you for your word, Lord. and how If we allow it to, Lord, it'll speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to consider our ways. God, we love you, and we thank you for how you're working in each one of our lives, Lord. But I pray that you'd help us not to be content to continue to strive to do more to do more for you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would take our lives and use us, Lord. We thank you for giving us a good day here. Lord, I give us safety as we all travel home. We thank you for a home to go safely, too, Lord, and bring us back this afternoon excited and geared up for church. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Also, don't forget, choir practice will be at 510. I forgot, failed to mention that. Ten minutes after five, choir practice. Thank you.